0: Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico.
1: Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples
2: that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five star experiences to local favorites. No passport required
1: for U.S. citizens and
2: permanent residents.
0: Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland and the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia, and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows.
1: Learn more at westholmcom slash saver. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver.
3: What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM, let's create.
2: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
0: Hello, and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese, And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, and today we're talking about grapefruit. Yes,
1: uh, something several of you listeners have suggested recently because of some articles that have come out about how grapefruit interacts with certain medications. So... Thank you, as always, for the suggestions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I used to hate grapefruit. It used to be on my list of, at the time. It was then six things that I didn't like. Um, <laughs> but now it's been moved off. I love it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and I'm on a bit of a grapefruit kick, especially I use the fresh juice in cocktails. Oh, and I yeah. Do, yeah, oh, oh. Yes. <laughs> and I do feel like it's a, quote, New Year's food, and we are, believe it or not, approaching a new year. Um, I know, I've already had to plan out <laughs> till 2021, and I was like, what is this? Oh, no, that's weird. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I know. Um, because grapefruit has been so frequently associated with weight loss, it's certainly the first thing I think of when I think of grapefruit. Um, and uh, and I got to say, if you're doing a resolution other than make this year better than 2020, more power to you, you're be doing better than me. My therapist <laughs> even said she's advising people to make really low-key resolutions um, for 2021.
0: <laughs> I, I think that that's uh, a really good of your therapist to be doing. I'm very happy that that's what's up. Um, uh, see, I I totally, when uh, when you were saying like, oh, like, like uh, grapefruit is more of a New Year's. Thing Maybe I was like, what, why? But then now that you mentioned the diet thing, I'm like, oh yeah, I just don't associate it with, um, with dieting. Uh, I, I know that it is like considered a-, a diet food and certainly has been part of fad diets, but, um, but I I grew up um, eating grapefruit for breakfast because it was delicious um, and uh, and yeah I more associate it with that and with them um, and with cocktails yeah than with anything mm. else so um, mm. uh, but yeah that medication thing is a whole thing that's a thing that I learned about um, we'll we'll talk yes. about it more uh, a couple times um, uh, throughout the rest of this episode but. Uh, uh, we've done oh, yeah. we've done other citrus fruits before. Um we did the orange yes. for sure. What else have we done? Yes. Did we do lemons or limes? Uh, <laughs> what have we <laughs> done? We did, we did limes. Okay. I think we've done limes. Uh, well there you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like grapefruit came up in a few episodes, but probably in our orange one. And I think in our fad diet one, because I, I told Lauren, I was like, have we already done grapefruit? But I would have remembered this medication thing because it's fascinating. So,
0: oh, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Which I guess brings us to our question. Yeah. Grapefruit. What is it? Well, uh, a grapefruit is a large type of citrus fruit with both uh, sweet and bitter flavors. Uh, sort of like softball sized, uh, maybe maybe six inches across. Uh, that's, oh, I didn't look up the conversion. Uh, what, maybe like a, a 15 centimeters? Sure, let's call it that. Um, uh, and <laughs> citrus fruits are um, vehicles for individually wrapped drops of juice. Really? I mean... You could call him that. Sure. (laughs) You certainly just did. (laughs) (laughs) I, yep, I guess, I guess that's what it is now, suckers. Um. (laughs) (laughs) The power of Lauren Vogelbaum. (laughs) <laughs> As I often say, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of the dreams. Um, <laughs> uh, grapefruit, a uh, botanical name, Citrus ex paradisi. Um, uh, grapefruits grow on evergreen trees that that usually are grown to about 20 feet or 6 meters tall, but can reach over twice that. Um, they are a semi-tropical tree. They uh, they do better in warm, um, uh, rainy climates. Um, they've got dark Glossy green leaves, and they bear these pretty white flowers, either alone or in clusters. That, um, when pollinated, will develop this fruit with like a greenish skin that ripens to a yellow to pink color. Um, that skin is thin and full of these heavily uh, scented, very aromatic oils. Um, and then under that contains this layer of spongy white pith that's technically edible, but is super bitter, um, and and acts as a cushion for the many tiny vesicles inside um, and vesicles is the fancy word for for those little membranes with just a drop of juice in them um that are further protected by these outer membranes um in in these segments uh sort of like a like a juicy three-dimensional pie <laughs> all right yeah okay sure I like that I like that you know I'm a big fan of pie <laughs> Yes, yeah, citrus are the 3D pies of the fruit world. Um, <laughs> uh, that that juice and therefore the flesh of this fruit um, can be kind of clearish to pale yellow to pink to ruby in color, um, and the flavor of the juices is, is sort of sweet, tart, and and floral. Um, a little little bit of bitter in there too, yeah. And um, the, the fruit segments or the juice from it can be eaten or drank uh, plain and raw, but you can also use them uh, fresh in salads as a flavoring in stuff like mixed drinks or baked goods or dressings um, or in marinades for various proteins or cooked down into jams or candies. The peel can also be eaten um, or pressed for its oil, um, although it is it is more bitter and more floral. Flavored than the fruit. So a little bit goes a long way there. Um, And speaking of.
1: Yes. So what about the nutrition?
0: A uh, grapefruit is pretty good for you. Um, it's got a good smattering of vitamins and minerals. Uh, vitamins A and C and potassium are, are up there. And um, if you eat the pulp, that's some good fiber. Um, they are sugary, but perhaps less so than many other fruits. Uh, overall, I'd say it's a good punch of flavor for a low caloric load. Um, they'll, they'll help fill you up, um, but to keep you going, it should be paired with some some protein and fat. And um, there is a lot of medical research about grapefruit out there, but a lot more needs to be done. Some research has indicated that grapefruit may help um, control blood sugar levels and also lipid levels in the body, both of which may help control uh, body weight and also certain conditions like diabetes and uh, cardiovascular diseases. Um, However, uh, you should not eat or drink grapefruit products if you're on certain medications because grapefruit contains these compounds that can mess with your body's uptake and breakdown of those medications. Like basically, if you're taking any daily med, you should probably Google about it um, or ask your pharmacist or healthcare provider. But um, yeah, more, more on that, more on that later on. Yes, yes.
1: Um, And numbers-wise, they're kind of hard to come by. I feel like I got catfished by this one article that promised me it was all grapefruit numbers, but it was all orange numbers. And I'm like, those are different. Got pretty righteously outraged. Um, So we don't have much, but the U.S. is the largest producer of grapefruit. Primarily, these grapefruit are grown in Florida and California. Three-fourths of the grapefruits consumed by Americans are red grapefruits.
0: And yet, the numbers are a little bit sticky. I I saw conflicting numbers in a couple different places and it's sometimes like difficult to separate out um, the fruit numbers overall from the juice numbers from the processed yeah. juice numbers from the oil numbers uh, I I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure what specific statistic the article that you got. The primarily grown in Florida number was looking at. Um, I've I've seen that China is the largest producer overall. I think that they're the largest exporter. But this is also um, a vaguely persnickety um, a fruit crop that can really be affected by uh, weather conditions. Um, if you get too much or, or too little freeze going on, um, it can it can really mess up mess up your uh, your grapefruit crop. So so yeah. Um, in short. Uh, it's, it's a little bit complicated and I didn't spend the time today to untangle it. So, uh, sorry about that. If, if, if all you needed to know in this world was who produces the most grapefruit, I, you know, I, I'm letting you down. (laughs) <laughs> or
1: you're giving somebody an excellent vengeance quest. You're gonna, their whole life is going to be defined by the one day they listen to this food podcast. We're determined to get the number of grapefruit, and they didn't get it, and it shapes their whole future. So maybe it's a gift you're giving.
0: Well you know, if this if this kicks off your vengeance quest, then you're welcome. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm sorry about the monster that I've made you into. I feel... <laughs> the grapefruit number monster. I feel like the food podcast Batman right now. I'm like, oh no, I'm accidentally <laughs> creating my own enemies.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know, then you're going to have to work together to get to the bottom of the grapefruit numbers oh, and you'll yeah. forge a like grudging relationship where you know you need each other you don't like each other but you yeah. recognize that the talents and skills you each have so, Yeah. So I think it'll work out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, eventually there there'll be weird uh fic written about us. It'll be terrific. Um so <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Oh, I'm
1: excited now. Grapefruit food <laughs> podcaster, Batman fan fiction. It needs to exist if it doesn't already. Just a shame. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put a pin in that for now.
0: Yes, just for right now, because uh, because we do have some history for you. Uh, but first, we've got a quick break for a word from our Sponsors. <laughs>
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, uh, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you?
1: Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip
2: yeah. together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at Rico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by
0: West Holm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I
1: do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some
0: product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am
1: very eager to share it with my friends.
0: Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their
1: cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives.
2: The result is Wagyu
0: beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at
1: westholme.com/savor. That's w-e-s-t-h-o-l-m-e.com/savor.
3: Dad deserves something really nice for Father's Day, but let's face it, we usually don't do it. Big gifts are for Mother's Day. world's number one dad better than a world's number one dad coffee mug is an artisan cocktail in his hand make dad's father's day and father's day cocktails with all natural juices and bitters without making any mess at all visit b-a-r-t-e-s-i-a-n.com backslash father to get 50 dollars off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you artesian premium cocktails on demand glow with
4: your best skin be confident in your skin
1: We're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes,
0: thank you. So,
1: grapefruit is actually not that old. Nope. I almost never get to say that. <laughs> Especially with like a fruit. I mean, sometimes right? with, a, you know, something invented in a lab or, but with a
0: fruit. With a fruit, yeah, it's usually like, well, this has been around for millions and millions of years and it's been, yeah, harvested by humans exactly. for most of that time. And yeah. <laughs>
1: Yes. Um, and the ancient citrus ancestors of grapefruit do go back okay. to <laughs> six million years, five million years ago, really, really old. But the grapefruit itself only goes back to the 18th century or maybe the 15th century, somewhere in there. We'll talk okay. about why it's confusing in a second. Mm-hmm. So young. So young <laughs> um, The grapefruit story is wild and weird. Uh, It was a hybrid, the result of chance breeding of an East Asian sweet orange and the Javanese pomelo on Barbados. And Barbados itself is kind of odd in the story, too. Given the most direct ancestor, the pomelo most likely originates from Malaysia or Indonesia. At the time, citrus growers already knew that these plants hybridized naturally. So many growers took great care to prevent that. Mm -hmm. But still, others didn't really care. Um, And all of this is part of why the early history of the grapefruit is so murky. The word grapefruit itself wasn't recorded in the existing written record until the 1830s, or the discovered written record. Um, Prior to that, it may have been referred to as Shaddock, the word for pomelo. So again, confusion. Confusion all around, yeah. Yeah. All around the grapefruit. In 1750, Griffith Hughes penned a history of the fruits on Barbados, including a tree he dubbed the golden orange that produced, quote, the forbidden fruit, in his words. Um, The most delicious, he called them. Many historians believe he was describing grapefruit, while others, oh, they conducted this really intense historical citrus research. Um, And they believe that the golden orange was the grapefruit and the forbidden fruit was actually something else entirely. Yeah. And speaking of, let's look at the name, because the name adds a layer of confusion to this whole thing. Right. (laughs) I've never really thought about this before, but when people pointed it out, I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, Conventional wisdom has long suggested that the grape in grapefruit comes from the fact that grapefruit grows in bunches similar to grapes.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. Like I said earlier, those flowers sometimes grow in clusters. And so um, on clustering flower trees uh you you get these yeah like it's not like a bunch like in like like grapes would grow in but it is like a weird cluster of these giant hecken fruit so sure i i can see the resemblance
1: yeah 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 um however not everybody buys that um some people suggest that the grape part of this name actually comes from the description of a fruit on barbados most likely the grapefruit, but we don't know for sure, from Dutch physician Wouter Schuden in 1644. He wrote that the fruit tasted, quote, like unripe grapes. A Jamaican plantation owner and enslaver named John Lunen echoed this sentiment in 1814, claiming grapefruit got the name, quote, on account of its resemblance in flavor to the grape. However, if you're listening to this, you're scratching your chin, you may know grapefruit <laughs> doesn't really taste like grapes. And in fact, there weren't vine grapes on Barbados until at least 1698, possibly much later than that, meaning that the people writing these comparisons of grapefruit to grape may have actually never tried grapes. Huh. Yeah. So I guess we'll chalk that one up to mysteries of history. Uh, Also of note, grapefruit was already associated with health at this time. Huh. Huh. The grapefruit wasn't grown commercially in the U.S. until the 19th century in Florida, where it quickly went from something kind of like an oddity, maybe ornamental, to an essential cash crop for farmers. Historians frequently give credit to the introduction of the grapefruit to mainland America to Frenchman Odette Philippe in the 1820s. He settled in what would become St. Petersburg, Florida, and set about erecting massive grapefruit plantations because it was his favorite fruit. Philippe may or may not have been a Black person, but he also owned enslaved people and definitely was not wanted in the area by the local indigenous peoples. Um, Not too long after, in 1862, Kimball Chase Atwood moved south of Tampa Bay in Florida after making his fortune in the insurance company, insurance world, I guess, in uh, New York City. And he planted 16,000 grapefruit trees. Uh, One of his workers discovered a pink grapefruit growing in 1910 as opposed to the typical grapefruit that was yellowish-white on the inside, um, typical for the time. Uh, This led to the production of the ruby red grapefruit in 1929 in Florida, an enormously popular variety that catapulted Atwood to the top of grapefruit producers.
0: And still at the time, the grapefruit was often regarded as a luxury, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, but before uh, uh, refrigeration techniques, um, uh, and and all of those those uh, uh, means of of distribution, um, uh, citrus was expensive. I mean, you had to you had to ship it. You had to make sure that it arrived uh, safely. It doesn't really ripen after it's been picked, so you you have to you have to strike this balance between picking it when it's ripe, and um, and then getting it to the place that it needs to be before it's you know no longer good.
1: Right. And I read articles about how the citrus industry helped make Florida what it is today, which I thought was fascinating. Um, So during all of this, during this time, a cold winter decimated much of the citrus industry in the Carolinas and Georgia in 1835. So people moved south into Florida um, if they were going to grow citrus fruits. Um, Towards the end of the century, railroads allowed for transportation of citrus fruits out of Florida to all around the country. And this was such a big industry. One of the rail lines was called the
0: Orange Belt Railway. Oh, wow. Huh. Uh, yeah. One of the one of the details that always sticks with me um, in uh, in Laura Ingalls Wilder's books is that like they would, they would sometimes get an orange in the stocking of there and it was so yeah. fancy. We've talked about yeah. this before. Yeah. I still think it's fancy. We did in
1: our orange episode. I yeah. I it made me really appreciate just how spoiled I am in terms of if I want an orange, I can get one probably any time of year.
0: Yeah. Yep. Mm. Or a grapefruit. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> or a grapefruit. By 1893, grapefruit, most likely introduced by Spanish missionaries, was introduced in Texas. Um, that's when the first recorded instance of a grove was uh We know of, anyway. Um, A developer named John H. Sherry was convinced citrus was the future of Texas, a future he believed was possible thanks to new irrigation techniques. He grew white-seeded grapefruit over 16,000 acres in 1914 and had his first shipment ready to go in 1920. Sometime around 1929, a pink grapefruit tree was discovered, and that led to the birth of the Texas red grapefruit industry. Um, Sherry is known by some as the father of the citrus industry. A claim I did not have time to fact check for veracity. (laughs) Uh, I do think it's funny. Anytime we do uh, an episode on a food thing that's sort of, in, in the United States at least, generally associated with a certain state, I feel like there's always one other state that's like, wait, but don't forget about us. (laughs) Because a lot of my search results were specifically about Texas and Texas's grapefruit industry and its history with that, which I thought was really great. Um, So as grapefruit became more common, people were kind of perplexed as to how to eat them. Companies stepped in, uh, touting the benefits of their products with grapefruit, and early 20th century cookbooks mainly featured grapefruit in sweet confectionery recipes or as an ingredient in salads. However, most people ate it halved with a dash of sugar, sometimes topped with a cherry, I guess, if you're feeling fancy. Mm -hmm. Um, The first iteration of the grapefruit diet, which is generally a very restrictive, low-calorie diet that involves grapefruit and is... Considered unsafe, largely considered unsafe, was recorded in the 1930s. It went on to inspire a Weird Al Yankovic parody uh, to the tune of Zoot Zoot Riot. <coughs> By the 1940s, the U.S. was exporting about 11 million cases of grapefruit and almost half a million canned sections. Between 1945 and 1946, the U.S. produced 2,285,000 tons of grapefruit, and Jamaica, Israel, Trinidad, Brazil, and other parts of South America um, also became significant producers. During the World Wars, companies like Morton Salt purported the deliciousness of grapefruit sprinkled with salt in American ad campaigns. A 1946 Morton's ad in Life magazine proclaimed, Grapefruit tastes sweeter with salt. Uh, Hmm. This was in part due to sugar rationing. During the wars, the grapefruit growers were worried about sales of the fruit if people couldn't douse them in sugar. In 1919, the Florida Citrus Exchange ran an ad campaign that posited the grapefruit, quote, need no sugar and never should have much. (laughs) Yeah. A 1943 Morton's ad turned the combo into a patriotic duty, this combo of salt and grapefruit. Quote, vitamin-rich grapefruit, a victory food special, is one of the fruits Uncle Sam advises you to eat. (laughs) The campaign was effective enough that it went on beyond the wars. It went into the 1950s uh, after sugar rationing had ended. Huh. Yeah. They weren't the first to promote this. Morton's wasn't. Um, A National Advice column printed in 1911 recommended the salting of grapefruit, and people wrote in voicing their support for this practice, including this, quote, I think you will find that many Southerners always salt their grapefruit. And apparently... This is still a thing in the south. This doesn't surprise me. It reminds me of like salting watermelon, but I had never heard of it or seen it.
0: Yeah. Um. I. Oh gosh. Now. Now that you mentioned it, I'm like. I think my grandmother probably salted her grapefruit. Um. But. <laughs> uh. But maybe I'm not. Oh. Memories. Who knows. Um. However. Either way. Um. There is actually some science there because uh. Salt. Um. Uh. Diminishes our ability to taste bitter flavors. Uh, like in our in on your on your tongue or in your mouth. Um, it it kind of blocks up some of the um, bitter flavor receptors that you've got in there. So when you salt your grapefruit, it will taste sweeter because of that diminished capacity to taste bitter. Um, salt can also make volatile compounds. You know, like like odors in your food more uh in volatile. Um, it, it, like, helps unlock them from water. Uh, so you may experience more of the fragrance of grapefruit um, a- as you're eating it, if you've salted it. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Noted. If I want to make a situation more volatile, salt. <laughs> throw some salt. See what happens. There you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh,
1: simultaneously... Uh, This grapefruit Americans were eating itself was changing throughout the decades, becoming sweeter, redder, often seedless. Grapefruit was Florida's most profitable export crop in 1980. About a decade earlier, Mexico got in uh, growing grapefruit as well. Um, The lime and grapefruit diet drink Fresca was introduced in 1966. Apparently, President LBJ was really into it. And bullied people into drinking it and used it as kind of a power move.
0: Okay. Um, I didn't know that this was intended as a diet drink. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, has the formula changed? Because now it's like as, as chock full of sugar as any soda. Right. So. Well, I you know, I
1: wonder if it's that thing of like anything that has fruit in
0: it. Right. We believe is more in it. Not necessarily at all, especially the sugar level. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, huh. Uh, research I don't know for another day
1: yes but I do want to tell my fresca story I'm gonna oh I'm gonna try to tie it up in a neat bow because it's one of my better stories <laughs> okay. But okay here we go <laughs> I was visiting my cousins in Florida mm-hmm. for the first time and I was nine years old and they snuck me in to see the rated R film Air Force One <laughs> okay. and it highly disturbed me and I was alone in the hotel room, even though my cousins were supposed to stay with me. I was younger, like pretty decently younger than all of them. And, you know, you, you don't want to hang out with your younger cousin. Uh huh. So I was watching Angels in the Outfield, and I saw this <laughs> white van come by and it was spraying this gas. And I thought, terrorist, because I'd just seen this movie and that sure. I had no rights to be seen. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to die. What do I do? I know. I want to get drunk. So I went to the refrigerator And there was a six-pack of Fresca, and I thought it was beer. So I drank all six of them. And then I ran outside screaming, we're all going to die. I ran past my parents, the (laughs) hotel room, my parents and my aunt and uncle standing. And I was running by their window, and I fell in a drainage pipe and broke my ankle. And that's my Fresca story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Annie, I'm really glad that it was Fresca and not beer. (laughs) Yes. Um, But... I've never had a Fresca since. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sad that you broke your ankle and that you were experiencing a moment of fear. Um, but I'm glad that you can laugh about it now. Oh yeah, oh uh,
1: yeah. My cousin's got in huge trouble. Uh, I've never seen Air Force <laughs> One again either. And in fact, I left me with a uh, lingering fear of Gary Oldman. Uh, still oh. hangs
0: over me to this day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that that that's acting for you. That's acting. You know, Gary Oldman's good. <laughs>
1: but all right, forget that. Let's talk drug interactions.
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Was...
1: <laughs> good segue. Yes. Segues. We're good at them. Uh, so, in a London, Ontario lab in 1989, clinical pharmacologist David Bailey discovered. Grapefruits, truly bizarre impacts on certain medications. He later said of the discovery, quote, the hard part about it was that most people didn't believe our data because it was so unexpected. A food had never been shown to produce a drug interaction like this, as large as this, ever. He was testing a blood pressure drug, and particularly if it had any negative effects, interactions with alcohol.
0: Uh yeah, because um, because alcohol lowers blood pressure and this medication also lowers blood pressure so he wanted to see whether adding alcohol to the medication would lower blood pressure like too much because that can lead to uh to passing out stuff like that yeah bad times
1: right bad times and to do to test this he wanted to do a double blind study meaning no one would know that they were in the group with alcohol or not right um so he needed to hide the taste of the alcohol To keep it from the participants, um, which group they were in, Mm -hmm. the group testing the alcohol and the group not testing it. According to him, his wife got the idea to hide the taste of alcohol with grapefruit juice. And it was the only thing that worked in his telling of the story. They tried a bunch of things. Grapefruit juice worked. So one group got straight up grapefruit juice while the other got grapefruit juice with alcohol. Both groups displayed about four times higher the drug levels in their systems than what was expected given the actual dosage. After isolating out other variables, the only thing that could explain it was the grapefruit juice. So Bailey decided to perform an experiment on himself, since the drug he was testing wasn't dangerous at high levels. Sure enough, the combination of the drug and grapefruit juice produced five times the amount of the drug in his system than should have been present. Follow-up tests produced the same results. Bailey eventually got to the bottom of it, um... Basically, very, very basically, it involves an enzyme in the small intestine that breaks down things to inactive forms, which drug makers take into account when calculating dosages, and a compound called foranocoumarins, something that grapefruit has a lot of. This compound shuts down those enzymes so that the body has to produce new ones, a process that can take up to 12 hours. This means that all the careful dosage calculations drug makers did are gone. They're out the mm-hmm. window because they made those calculations expecting those enzymes to be functioning properly. Just a cup of grapefruit can do this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Very, uh, very small amounts of, of grapefruit juice can can shut down enough of those enzymes in your body, and everyone has a different amount of these enzymes to have an effect on certain drugs that you take. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Drug makers just assume that those enzymes in your small intestine are going to affect some of that drug. Um, so, so yeah, so you can wind up with too much of a drug entering your bloodstream. Um, and the same enzyme is also found in the human liver, and uh, large enough doses of grapefruit... Can affect its function there too, um, so that not only are is, is more of the drug going to be entering your bloodstream because the enzymes in your small intestine just kind of like let it all let it all out. They were just like, yeah, sure, go be free. Um, <laughs> uh, but furthermore, when it gets to your liver, those enzymes are shut down there too. So, um, so, so the drug will 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 last longer in your system. Um, it's not going to get broken down and flushed out of your body. Um, as quickly by your liver. So it's not only a stronger effect, but it's also going on for longer. Um, And you can also... Uh, wind up with too little of a drug in your system because of grapefruit, because there are these other compounds in grapefruit that can block the action of some um, uh, chemical transporters, and and these are the proteins that allow certain compounds to get into your cells. Um, and and this this applies to some medications, like um like for example, the allergy medication Allegra. Um, grapefruit will make it less effective because it prevents it from getting into your cells. Um, other fruit juices can have the same effect. Uh, it's, it's wild. Wow, it is wild. Um, grapefruit messes with over
1: 100 drugs, including some extremely common ones, uh, varying from being a perfectly safe interaction to an incredibly deadly one. Um, while there are no real numbers, it is a safe get- guess that eating grapefruit has killed people. <laughs> um, And I know two people personally who stopped having grapefruit for uh, interactions with their medication. Yeah, yeah. And I I was thinking of like, you know, and you just have the medication bottle and it has the like uh, glass of presumably alcohol and like a big X over it. What if we had like a a grapefruit (laughs) on there? No, do not take with grapefruit, which apparently is already a thing in Canada.
0: Uh, and it is also in like the fine print of medication labels in the United States like you know that kind of like mini booklet that you get kind of kind of like stapled right, to your yeah. to your drug bag uh your little uh-huh. little packet uh yeah yeah it, it will be in the fine print in there but I mean if you like me and just go oh sure whatever um uh, <laughs> yeah. a don't do that <laughs> um that's you should <laughs> you should read that stuff but but b um yeah uh, uh, I didn't include a list of all the medications it can affect in here because it, it it can affect like certain groups of medications, but not every medication within that group because the the mechanisms through which they work are different. Um the, the molecules are mm-hmm. different. And so really the best thing to do um if you're a savvy internet human is to just Google the name of the medication and grapefruit and the internet should tell you. But if you have any concerns about any medication ever, don't take my advice. Ask your <laughs> ask your pharmacist yeah. or <laughs> or other healthcare provider, um, uh, because it, it really it really um, depends on the drug in question to know how dangerous this can be. For for some drugs, it's it's a direct effect, like lowering your blood pressure so much that you that you might pass out, um, um, or um, or maybe suppressing an immune response too hard for too long. Um, for other drugs, it. Can be a secondary issue of like creating um, like a like a like a buildup of that drug in your system to the point that it could cause damage. Um, well, first of all, to your muscles and liver because they're the ones kind of dealing with it. Um, but secondarily, to your to your kidneys as they wind up working overtime to to flush this stuff out. So. So bad times all around, um, and can yeah. Uh, for for example, a lot of um, SSRIs, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, um, can be affected by that. So if you're on anxiety or depression meds, definitely watch out for that. Um, uh, that's I, I am one of those humans who. Uh, I had to really cut back my grapefruit intake and I'm mad about it cuz I love grapefruit. Um because cuz I hi hi I'm on ai am I'm on like kind of a lot of Lexapro um because it helps with anxiety and depression and and I love that. Um and uh, uh but I don't want it to go wonky. So <laughs> so I just choose <laughs> to not to not do to not do grapefruit related stuff and I'll make myself like a drunk. <laughs> Just just say no to grapefruit. Just say yeah. Um. (laughs) When I'm like going through a cocktail list, like I'll I'll get like a little bit palpably angry. I'll be like, why did you put that delicious ingredient in there? Also, I know I shouldn't really have that much booze while I'm on this medication. But like in small (laughs) doses, it's okay. You can kind of manage it anyway. um.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, the most dangerous experience I had with a grapefruit was also my cousin's. We were trying to play. They were trying to teach me how to play golf, and okay.
0: uh,
1: I was using a grapefruit, and I swung and I hit it really as a hard. A golf and juice, ball.
0: You yeah. were using a grapefruit as a.
1: Yeah. Well, they were just trying to get me to hit it because I kept missing. Okay. The smaller ball, so they right. gave me something bigger. But then I got juice in the eye and it oh. really hurt. And oh that was man! The end yeah. of my golf
0: career. <laughs> 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 wow. So um. so yeah so uh, so broken ankle and uh, and nixed golf career are but I still love you
1: grapefruit um, <laughs> I highly recommend to anyone who's interested I mean like like we say frequently you never know where the research will take you mm-hmm. this is fascinating and the headlines are hilarious like oh yeah the bizarre grapefruit messing with your drugs or whatever <laughs> um, it's really fun so recommend. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, take take it take it into due consideration. Uh, don't mm-hmm. don't hit grapefruits with golf clubs, and uh, no. don't take them on top of medication without checking first. Yes,
1: one of those is more important than the other, but I feel like <laughs> both are worth saying. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, that's that's pretty much what we have to say about grapefruit for today.
0: It is. Um, we do have some listener mail for you, uh, but first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, uh, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you?
1: Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip
2: yeah. together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm.
0: I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love
1: sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product,
0: some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am
1: very eager to share it with my friends.
0: Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I like opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze
1: on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives.
0: The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at
1: westholme.com/savor. That's w-e-s-t-h-o-l-m-e.com/savor.
3: Father's Day is coming—a day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us. To crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off. No dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get $50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Glow with your best
4: skin. Be confident in your skin.
0: And we're back.
1: Thank you, sponsor.
0: Yes, thank you. And we're back with...
1: Listener... Listener. (laughs) This is sour, puckery face. But normally I guess that would be more in the back of the throat. Mm. Um, Yeah. I got to work on my voice, my vocal work, but...
0: You know, we're all getting there. (laughs) We're all getting there.
1: (laughs) Desiree wrote... As Thanksgiving approaches, I can't help but think about Annie's tradition of cheese giving, and it brings to mind a story I'd like to share. At the beginning of 2020, I had a mountain of New Year's resolutions, but sadly, given COVID lockdown, most of them have fallen apart, except what turned out to be my favorite. My boyfriend and I decided 2020 was going to be our year of cheese (laughs) with a goal to eat lots of different fancy cheeses as often as possible. We started the project on New Year's Day with a cheese board made up of those little $2 end discards from the fancy cheese Mm. counter at Whole Foods along with a detailed rating system for the tasting so we could keep track of what we liked. This worked out fantastically, and we were so into it that all through January and February, we tried a new cheese once a week, every week, with no sign of slowing down. Well... Fast forward through 2020 and all its stresses, and our new cheese obsession turned into a real comfort project, something to look forward to in all the uncertainty and isolation. We got engaged back in March, and since it happened during our year of cheese, we took a picture of my newly blinged hand reaching into a plate of extra cheesy nachos to make it Instagram official. Quite the feat, since I'm not (laughs) left-handed. And then... Once it became clear that COVID would be pushing our original 2021 wedding date, we threw together a cheese-themed Zoom elopement ceremony in our living room, complete with cheese-themed bunting altar, cheese earrings, cheese pens, and my close friend even sent us a package of fancy cheese in the mail to serve as our cheese plate wedding meal. Oh, my gosh. Photos of the event were only iPhone quality for obvious reasons, so when I had our elopement announcements made... I had my best friend do an artistic rendering of what our wedding would have looked like in Cheeseland. My husband, Brian, in a suit made of Swiss cheese with jalapeno buttons and me in a gooey, cheesy veil and dress. Both of us sharing a plate of nachos, as it should be. Both of us in our happy place.
0: Oh, my gosh. That is glorious. Um, a, congratulations. Yes, um, congratulations. Uh, it sounds like y'all have both really found, like, a worthy partner. Yeah. Um, Yes, <laughs> uh, that's that yeah. is so sweet. <laughs> it
1: is sweet and amazing, and it sounds like your year of cheese has been a real success. So, <laughs> I much much applause to you. Yes, the invitations were spectacular. All the pictures were spectacular. So, thank you so much for sharing that. Congratulations. Yes, more cheese in your future.
0: Oh, uh huh. A a beautiful a beautiful future of cheese together. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, Heather wrote, I started your burger episode and got about 10 minutes into it when I had to pause to share, welcome to Halifax Burger Week. Usually in late March, for a week, dozens of restaurants in Halifax will coax people out of their houses in dreary Nova Scotia winters with the promise of delicious burgers. If you can think of it, someone has put it on a burger. This event is thrown as a fundraiser for Feed Nova Scotia, the local network of food banks, with a portion of sales donated. The brunt of COVID's first wave hit us here in March, uh, causing a postponement in this year's celebrations, but did take place in October of this year, over 10 days when restaurants reopened. My fiancé and I only made it to one spot this year as we're not eating out as much, but got to at least five of them last year. I know people who ate at least 20 different burgers over the week. Pro tip, wear stretchy pants. To give you an idea of the scope of Burger Week, I have included a link to this year's Burger Passport. The passport is usually released a couple of weeks beforehand and is crucial in planning a strategy for the week. I've also attached some pictures of past burgers, including a donut burger. Burger Week last year coincided with a local gourmet donut shop's birthday, So Is Born birthday burger. A bacon cheeseburger with chipotle sauce with a glazed donut sliced in half for a bun, complete with a candle. It shouldn't work, but it does. We have several places to get a good burger here anyway, but for a burger lover, this week is better than Christmas. It's been growing in popularity every year and the restaurants have been getting more and more imaginative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh Yes. I love my it. Gosh
1: burger week Uh, I did get a burger after we did that episode you did oh good 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 a caved
0: hey no (laughs) I think that's I think that's important I don't think I have since then I think I got distracted by some other food craving but anyway I'll get around (laughs) to it
1: Uh, yes yes it was it was wonderful
0: (laughs) Um, thanks to both of those
1: listeners for writing in if you would like to write to us you can our email is hello at saverpod.com
0: we are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
4: All month, but all year long. Check out Ole's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your
3: favorite retailer. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating Pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original Boxer Briefs for Women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection